Welcome to Good Christian People, an honest conversation between church leaders who recognize we're not perfect, we're barely good, but we want to be great. On today's episode, we sit down with one of the greatest people we've ever met, the Godfather himself, Indian missionary and pastor, David Rajan. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Good Christian People, the podcast. Episode 36. Sanshi Liu. There it is. Oh, guys, this is a a big day. Um, We kind of teased this out in our last episode where we were just playing catch up and everything. By the way, I guess you say, I'm Jeff, Tim, Mm -hmm. Josie. Mm. That's not Josie. And, uh, And we are in studio today. With I mean and and a lot of times as hosts you want to make the guest really feel special and like there's somebody um, I am there is absolutely no hyperbole no exaggeration when I say we are in the room with one of the greatest people I have ever met in my entire life. He's turning red, by the way. I it yeah. it is I I'm, I he is literally one of my all time heroes top three people I've ever met. He's getting ready to leave. Uh, <laughs> He's hiding under the desk. David Rajan. Yeah, so our local church, oh. our local church here has partnered with this man for 30 years um, in ministry in India and Sri Lanka. And he he flies out of town here in like 12 hours. And so we wanted, yep. to, we wanted to be able to record his story so that more than just we have heard it and uh, that we can be blessed by what God has done through this man and his team, uh, both here and abroad. And so it would be absolutely foolish for us to spend any time talking about fluff, uh, talking about movies. We are just going to give the whole episode to the Godfather. Godfather, would you grace our listeners with your lovely voice? Just say hello. Hello. Good evening. That's amazing. Where, where did Godfather come from, by the way? You you came up with it. I came up with you it? You did. Really? Yeah. So, Godfather, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, in 2010, I led a mission team to India. Uh, Tim, you were part of it. Yeah. We made the mistake. Uh, you told us. You said, don't bring more than seven people. And we said, okay. And then we brought 27. We brought 14. <laughs> and that was awful. Uh, we brought way too many people. And you were so gracious to, to cram us in a van and host us. And what we started noticing was that Godfather would take us over to all of these different um, churches, churches, mission yeah. centers, and schools to have the, you know, the American monkeys just stand up and perform and sing songs and whatever. But everywhere we went there was a chair for Godfather, for David. And we started to notice that everywhere we went, there was this level of respect. Oh, sure. And you pointed out he's like the Indian Godfather, that everyone is afraid of him. All right. Let and, me say on the record then, David, I am sorry for no, the 10 years ago that no. I said that because he's picked up on it and run with it so oh, much. Yeah, Godfather. <laughs> I, I call him Godfather all the time. But yeah. then, but then you also are anymore. a spiritual Godfather well, for sure. to so many people. Uh, to me as as well. When whenever on my birthday he sends me a message that he says, 
happy birthday, my son. And I, every year I show my wife, I'm like, he called me his son. And she's like, he doesn't love you that much. He says that to everybody. I realize I pushed us down this road, but remember when we said we weren't going to talk, we were going to let him talk. I know, I know. But I just wanted to introduce the Godfather. Godfather, how are you doing? I'm going to call him Godfather though, because that's how I refer to you. How are you doing, sir? I'm blessed always. No complaints. I'm cheerful. Amen. I could just listen to him talk all day long. We want we want people to hear your story, yeah. brother. And so um, uh, we know we we uh, talked before we started about kind of three different categories of time in your testimony. And so, can you tell us about your growing up up until you became a man at twenty years of age or so? My father came from a state called Kerala. He's from a Hindu Brahmin family. Mm. My grandfather was a Hindu priest. He had ten elephants in his uh, temple. Wow. My mother came from Burma, and uh, she spoke seven languages. And uh, my father went to fight Second World War with the British Mm. uh, against the Japanese, and uh, they got married there, and their house was bombed. Mm. And the Japanese ultimately took over Burma, and uh, they chased all the Indians out of Burma, and my Parents had to walk six months across mountains with no food, mm. carrying two babies, three-year-old and a one-year-old. And uh, finally they reached India but lost both the babies. Mm. And uh, then my father found a job in the railways. He had a very decent job. And uh, life was good. Uh, when I, Then they had five more children. I was the last in the family. Mm. When I was 12 years old, my father died of a heart attack. So it was back to square one, and we were in poverty. My mother was a very godly woman. She laid hands on me and prayed every day, sent me to school. Then uh, before my father died, he made a small dining table with shelves so the children could put their school books uh, in the drawer. So we started playing ping pong. I wanted to achieve something in life, and uh, I became a state player and played in the national championship. That got me admission into one of the best colleges in the city on a sports scholarship. Yeah, I did Bachelor of Commerce. Uh, within a week, I got a job in the Indian government federal agency as an inspector. Mm. I worked for 10 years. I became a lawyer. But I had an older sister who was motivating me. She's a child evangelist. She lives lives today. She's 73 years old. Mm. She had spread the... She was a Bible teacher in many schools in Bangalore and Chennai. And she ministered to more than 10 million people, children mm. Mm. in the General Assembly mm. where the school, Christian schools, had 90% non-Christian children mm. And every day at 10 o'clock, she had the audience of about 2,000 kids. Five days a week, that's 10,000 a week, 40,000 a month, Mm. and 480,000 a year. Multiply that by 40 years. So she used to motivate me by telling stories of pioneer evangelists, missionaries who came to India, like Mm. William Carey, Mm. and other missionaries like Stud and uh, C.S. Lewis and David Livingston. Mm-hmm. So that kept me going, you know. She said when life was tough as a growing up as a teenager, uh, she used to tell me the Creator 
Lord Jesus Christ. He suffered more than us. Mm. He didn't have to do it. So my problem seemed minuscule compared to what the sure. God of this earth went through. Sure. So I graduated, got a job. Then life was mid- middle class. You know, mm-hmm. everybody grew up. Were you a Christian at this point in time? Had you converted? Yes, okay. I was Christian. Okay. When I was 19, I went to a listen to a preacher called Theodore Williams. He was a president of Indian Evangelical Mission, which had 800 missionaries up north India. Mm. And uh, he was challenging youth and saying that the time for Western missionaries is going to come to an end. Mm. And it's up to the youth of India to take the mantle and spread the gospel. I dedicated my life once again when I was 19 Mm. and uh, started playing a little bit of trumpet, seven chords on the guitar. Yeah. And uh, I went to the prison, the mental hospital, Mm. to every Sunday morning to worship with the prisoners and uh, the patients at the hospital. And uh, Friend in Need Society, it's an old age home. Mm-hmm. in Chennai. <clears throat> so that's how I st- uh, started uh, worshipping God mm-hmm. to give back to him whatever I, you know, he blessed me with that that far. Sure. Mm-hmm. After working for 10 years, uh, I had a dream of coming to the United States once in my lifetime because I was uh, in the front row whenever Youth for Christ teams came from the United States. Mm-hmm. They're playing the trumpet and music, and I was, I was uh, mesmerized by the, you know, the music, mm-hmm. and I was very happy to hear the gospel and the whole program by Youth for Christ. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I was fascinated by the land of United States. I wanted yeah. to come here, sure, and without any sponsorship, knowing anybody here, Indian or American. Uh, I got a visa to come here in 1984 for six months. Mm. I thought I should start a business, make some money, yeah. go back to India and build churches. Yeah. Because I read about a lot of success stories. So I thought I'll make like a million dollars in three years. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, made my own calculation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it was sounding good. Yeah. So I came, I started a leather factory with one worker and brought some samples. I took some orders and went back. And uh, one mistake I made was I was uh, connecting with people who were after money, Mm. uh, like, uh, you know, Afghans and Pakistanis, Iranians and Indians. Okay. Not with the very good people. Okay. So I lost half the money. Mm. I came back again, seeing the prospect. Doesn't matter, I'll try one more time. I got more orders, went back, and came the third time. It, it still didn't work out. Mm. The million dollar was a very distant dream. It was <laughs> <laughs> so at that time, I had 30 workers oh, in the wow. factory. All the bills were paid. I had to pledge my wife's jewels to make the payroll. Nobody knew what was happening. But uh, my 
dream was almost coming to an end. Mm. I asked God, what did I do wrong? Mm. You know, I wanted to make money and build churches, go back to India. Yeah. He said, I don't want your money, I want you. Mm. So, so I came to United States. I went to a mountain in Tennessee mm-hmm. where I had one friend and uh, he was going bankrupt. <laughs> so he said, you can stay in my house. Saturday afternoon, I was listening to the radio. The preacher was talking about James Cashpenny and Colgate and Abraham Lincoln, who lost 16 elections before he became a president, mm. and said, dedicate your life to God first. He doesn't want your uh, ability. Sure. He, he wants, wants you. you. Yeah. Mm. So that And the last song was, God will take care of you. So I was almost in tears. I said, this message is for me. Yeah. I had two suitcases full of merchandise samples. I told my wife to keep the factory going full speed. Yeah. One month we'll recover. And then I didn't have money to stay in a motel. Yeah. So at that time I was looking and Greyhound had a pass, monthly pass, mm-hmm. for $125. Mm. Travel as you please. They gave me a coupon. I sold some of my merchandise, made $150, bought this ticket with $25. I started my journey. Mm. I thought I'm going to make it this time because I rededicated my life. Yeah. So I went to almost 100, 150 towns. Mm. I was on the bus for one and a half years. I went uh, without sleep for two weeks. Every... Second Sunday, I'll go back to Tennessee to my friend's place. Four o'clock in the morning, Bristol, Tennessee. Mm. The bus will stop at a coffee shop. Even the bus station was not open. So I used to go. He'll, I'll call him at seven o'clock. He'll take me to church, Covenant Baptist Church. Bring me back. Again, evening, take the bus and keep going. Uh, I was getting orders from many shops in Chicago, Detroit, Saratoga Springs, Albany, Knoxville, Nashville, Chattanooga, Topeka, Kansas, all the way to San Bernardino, all over the USA, Tampa. I've been everywhere. Mm. And uh, I used to wire transfer money to my wife. Mm-hmm. This was happening very happily. I, I'm happy even though I couldn't sleep on a reclining seat for much <laughs> long. Sure. I was happy that the dream is coming. Mm. America is the dream that I wanted. It's happening in the bus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had no complaints then. Yeah. I have mm. no complaints now. Yeah. One day I was coming from Detroit to Baltimore. My two suitcases went in some other bus. Yeah. So I came to Baltimore and spoke to the owner and uh, explained to him I'm going next week to India. And he's, uh, he took the phone and ordered the tracked the bus and the luggage was going to come in two hours. He wanted to hear my story. Why are you going back? Everybody wants to come and stay here. Mm -hmm. I told him I have churches to build. So when the luggage came in two hours, do you need a break? No, keep going. No. So when the luggage came, he wanted to see what I had. He said, I like your story. Mm -hmm. So he saw the nice leather belts and wallets and pouches and ladies' handbags. He ended up buying the one suitcase full of merchandise for $700. Mm-hmm. Right then, another lady came, wife of an army major. 
from Mali station. <laughs> she saw what was happening. She was his friend and uh, she ended up buying the other suitcase full of merchandise. Here I was sitting for two hours thinking one day sale is gone. Yeah. And God gave me $1,500 sale wow. through a lost luggage. Yeah. That lady said, she heard my story. You're not going on the Greyhound anymore. I have a home. I still remember Spencer Lane by the 7-Eleven. Yeah. So she said, uh, you can have a room for $200. Pay me if you can, when you can. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you can use the house. Not only that, I'm going to introduce you to a district manager of a store called the Zayre store, Z-A-Y-R-E. Okay, yeah, yeah. Ames and Zayre. Yeah. You can put a table like this. Work Thursday, Friday, Saturday, $100. I said yes. That was December 1st, 1986. Hmm. So I started selling more merchandise for more profit than I was doing on the Greyhound circuit. Yeah. <laughs> so I made a request the next day to her. I have visa for my wife and my daughter. Hmm. Can you get another table in another store? She said, no problem. And she got a table in Laurel Zayers okay. of 198. Yeah. So Rani was there, and we had a four-year-old baby, yeah. Shirani. Yeah. So we used to stand from 9 o'clock in the morning till 9 o'clock at night, and Shirani used to sleep under the table. <laughs> this was happening for one and a half years. Yeah. All our debts were getting cleared. Yeah. And uh, when... Uh, this was going on. We used to go to lunch sometimes in a particular place, Rani and I, and look in a mall, Reisterstown Plaza, mm. and look at a small jewelry store, jewelry, mm -hmm. and dream of the days when we can have our own store. Months passed by, and this one day another lady came, and she asked, uh, who's in the other store? I said, that's my wife. Who's sleeping under the table? That's my daughter. And you are here, your wife is there, and please ask her to come and follow me. So we said, somebody big is asking us to come. And mm -hmm. she took us to the same mall, to the same store, and pointed out, would you like to have that store? We asked her, who are you, ma'am? She said, I own two malls. I'm the president of two malls, mm. owning like 300 stores. Oh. We asked for three months' time to set up the store. She said, no, no, I'll give you three months rent-free. Take all the uh, glittering, you know, showcases and sure. lights and fixtures. So we started our first store in 1988. We knelt on the floor, prayed, and got uh, started September 1st, 1988 in Reisterstone Plaza. Mm -hmm. yeah. five, oh, next year, we moved to a store five times bigger mm. on the other side. So we did retail for 25 years. Yeah. When we first, first started our store, God gave us the privilege of renting an apartment at the end of the parking lot. We straight away went to Goodwill, got three odds and ends carpet, six by three, six by three, and one small one for Shirani. Yeah. <laughs> and got three plates, three spoons, three knives, and yeah. three of every kind, and started, knelt and prayed, and praised God for a 
new life and all the debts are cleared. Yeah. I wanted to go back to India. Yeah. So the factory was going on. My Rohini's father was running the factory. Yeah. So every three months, I went to India, started new styles. I became a designer. Even though I studied to be a lawyer, I became a designer and uh, changed the designs, built the foundation for a church, exported, imported, retail, and took the money, went back, finished the church, dedicated the church, made new designs, exported. I was doing this. When I leave tomorrow, it's going to be my 51st trip to India. Wow. And uh, I started doing this from 1993. It's been uh, 28 years now in the ministry. We built our first mission center when Dr. Bill Wilson came from uh, Baltimore. Okay. And uh, he brought a team too. And uh, he paid half the money and yeah. we built the Pundandal Mission Center, mm-hmm. which had no Christians in the area. Today, Pastor Nyanam is there for the last 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. We have 200 families in, around that village. Amen. And we built two more churches around, around. that area. Yeah. And uh, when you came, uh, we just started uh, the Poneri Mission Center. You know, it was yeah. all bricks and all. Yeah. Yeah. Today, we have three mission centers in three different directions around surrounding the city. And uh, God, through the grace of God, for the glory of God, we built uh, about 60 churches. These are small churches, 30 by 20 and 40 by 20, and few of them are 50 by 20 feet. And we have 6,000 first-time Christians worshiping each Sunday morning. And uh, when the faith team came and three or four years ago, mm-hmm. we started a CDC program because many of the Christian children's organizations were closed mm-hmm. in India. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to reach the families through through the children. Sure. So we have an after-school program five to seven every day, Monday through Saturday, sure. in about 30 locations where over a thousand kids come for a evening program. Sure. They're taught the they, they, they pray, they're taught scripture, then they do homework, sing a song, pray and go back. Yeah. We teach them good morals too. So amazing thing happened uh, two weeks ago. Through the behavior of the children, four parents, Hindu parents, came and accepted the Lord and got Same baptized. So, so it's making a big impact on the society. Yeah, and so now three three mission centers now and 60-some churches, and you've even, in the last several years, you've expanded to Sri Lanka, across the sea. What, what's interesting about your story, David, is I feel like in, in very many ways, models of missions, at least here in the States, are, okay, God has called me to X place to be a missionary, and so now what I have to do is raise funds and have, you know, and raise friends from the church, and then the church will sponsor. And that's not a bad model, but I think we, some people forget that there's a, there's a different way. I, when, I, when I look at you and I hear your story, I think of Christ telling the parable of the talents. 
and mm-hmm. to you know the the one who had five made ten, the one who had ten made twenty, and you're you're the one who God gave ten, you turned to twenty, who then turned it to forty, who then turned it to eighty, but your entire goal was not for your own profit, but for yeah. the kingdom's profit, and so uh, we certainly see in that story that God God blessed you, and it's a way. And I think some some I think some young men and women might think they need to choose between entrepreneurship and mission work, but it it can be all wrapped up into one, and God can make you a bivocational bivocational yeah, missionary, successful businessman or woman, and use that to fund the ministry. Paul was a tent maker. Exactly. Oh, well, here's what, and 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 Godfather, this is what kind of blows my mind every time I hear your story. Um, you just kind of glossed over. Uh, some major, major things. When you were talking about, so the India in, in the caste system, where would your family have been in the caste system? We are in the top, uh, Brahmin is Brahmin. the highest right. caste. Highest caste. So you were, and, and you had studied to be a lawyer. Had you begun practicing that? I was in the government. Yeah. Had I continued, I would have become a commissioner. Yeah. You had a, you had a good job in yes. India. You yes. had a real good job. You would have been high level, top shelf, I mean, and then I just love the fact that you glossed over that you were a national uh, ping pong champ. Not national. Uh, I played in the nationals. For for this for this podcast, <laughs> you're national. You're better than us. That's it. I'm um, gonna find a ping pong table. We're gonna know, go for it. It's, yeah. it's going. But but what what is amazing to me is that the story you've just told about living on a bus for a year and a half and and just traveling and and kind of depending on the kindness of people that that you come across and God kind of leading you in this way. It was a significant sacrifice, what you gave up and where your life was headed and could have gone. Uh, you would have been set for life. Yeah. You would have I been, beg to differ, Jeff. Pl- it was like uh, heaven no. for me. Well, right. <laughs> but, that's, but, I, but that's what I'm saying is that when, when, when people look at what we have and the possessions that we have, we're going to talk about affluence and, and riches and things like that. You had that. You were on, on the way to that. And you said, God... You have my life. What am I doing with it? And God said, "Okay, I want you to go halfway around the world, and I want you to basically be a tent maker, and I want you to go and just live on a bus. I want you to be separated from your family. I want you to to have some hard time, so that you can turn right back around, and He can build you up, and you can have all of these stores, and you can be doing really, really well. And it's like, and now I go back, and I turn all of that investment back towards the kingdom. Um, that is uncommon. I mean, and and that I, that is why I mean, I, I feel honored to even share a room with you, and the fact that we're even <laughs> Facebook friends. I mean, like, I don't, <clears throat> I don't get it. At, I mean, I I understand it, but I mean, it, it is just I don't understand why you would hang out with us, um, Jeff. America is the greatest country on the face of the world. Mm. It has been, it is, and it will be. Two-thirds of all aid since the time it's recorded till now is, comes from America, mm. private and government aid, two-thirds yeah. among all the countries. Yeah, I think you're half whenever, of that. Whenever <laughs> there is a calamity, American helicopters and American Aid goes first, sure. not Japanese, uh, not Chinese, or not uh, Russian. Yeah. yeah. So this country has been. I'm grateful to this country and grateful to American people yeah. for opening. You know, just giving us an opportunity. Sure. That's all. That's all. 
and one of the greatest blessings i have whenever i come to america is bathing in hot water for 15 minutes yeah. i feel so guilty uh. yeah in the village yeah. i bathe in clean water but in half a bucket of water yeah, yeah. that's a blessing too yeah. yeah i have developed a way of rinsing my whole body with two cups of water yeah i think so, so i i think you you lived so and and i agree i'm thankful to be born here in this country i'm thankful to have the freedoms we have and the opportunities we have and i agree that uh you know america has been uh glorious i pray that we would move in the correct direction moving forward um you came and you lived what we call the american dream yes but you didn't but the the typical american dream is for personal comfort right that's the typical american dream so that i can have so that i can be comfortable you didn't do that though you 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 he had left the so indian that you dream. could give yeah you left the indian dream it was a to missionary the, yeah it was a missionary american dream but uh, besides the word of god yeah the personal examples of many westerners yeah both british and yeah. american sure had a made made a big impact on my life yeah even though no, uh, the uh, the church going christian yeah. america is good yeah. and wholesome that image doesn't go to the world mm. the image that goes to the world is hollywood sure yeah so i feel that uh, america is uh, you know still good yeah 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 no i mean absolutely uh, it it's just i think what is astounding to us is seeing how people pursue um wealth mm. for their own gain and you you had that in india and you gave it up you came to america you had that in america and you were willing to turn that back into missions jesus and eternity makes a lot of difference in somebody's yeah. life yeah and as as i mentioned in the 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 message yesterday and um and I, it wasn't in my notes it was something i think the holy spirit just kind of threw in there uh we we honor we honor Joshua in the biblical Joshua a lot for his battle of Jericho but he 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 walked around jo- around Jericho yeah. and blew his trumpet he he was faithful he was god obedient, god yeah. asked him to be obedient asked him to be faithful and god took care of what god could take care of and that's what i hope to be in my life and that's what i hear from your story you've you you you've done what you could do and god is the one who's been the wind behind with everything else and i know uh, i mean I, i i've loved your story david and i i'm so thankful to call you brother my uh, you mentioned your wife from burma um my absolute Ma- hero mother. excuse me mother um my absolute hero is adoniram judson and his whole missionary story and mm-hmm. uh, just him giving up giving up everything and going and living a hard hard life for the glory of the lord. William so. Carey had to wait 7 years before the first convert. Yeah. Today more than 5 million people are Christians in the area where he worked. Mm-hmm. There's a big university, translated books into English, mm-hmm. dictionaries, you know, his his impact is known only now. Yeah. Yeah. Godfather, you made a point where and 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 so I want to I want to kind of pick up on that on that track. uh of of you had high standing in India made a, a living and and did well in America and then you turned back into India back to build churches but where specifically are you um like what kind of areas are you I mean I know the answer to this question I should just lead it you right to it but you could be building churches in the cities you could be I mean there's need there um and we visited the cities we visited the city churches they're beautiful there's there's lots of uh 
of great benefit to doing things in the city, but you go to the remote locations. You go out to where no one else is reaching. Why do you do that? Because 70% of Indians live in villages. Mm. That is close to 900 million people. That's mm. three times the population of the United States. They live in villages. And they depend on rain, farmland. They, they have existential problems. And they have culture problems. They have caste problems. In the village where we, had, we live, there is a separate uh, colony for one caste. Mm. There's a middle, there are 10 families who own all the lands. And there are 50 other families who are fishermen who belong to another caste. Until 10 years ago, these people can't walk into the high man's, high caste man's mm. land. Mm. Racism is nothing in the USA compared to India yeah. because the government maintains a register and you cannot change your caste from lower to upper. Mm. And I chose the villages because they are, uh, there, are, there, there is no pathway for them to know what is life, what is the purpose of life, and where do you go after life, eternity. And you have to give to your gods, but our God gave himself for us. Yeah. So that's a big difference. And real joy and happiness is not in the rich man in the city. Real joy and happiness can be found even in the village where you had you have no running water, scarce electricity, a lot of existential problems, a lot of drinking problems, you know, dysfunctional families, you know, things like that. Yeah. In spite of that, you know, God is opening a way for people to find peace and happiness. And I'm thankful for that example. Again, um, uh, there's a lot of church planners even in the states, people who want to start churches, who look at a, a, a rich community and think, yeah, I'll go start a church there. Mm-hmm. But I'm thankful that God called you to God called you to people who cannot give back to you. Yeah. I mean, if you take up a collection on a Sunday, it's not going to pay for anything. Um, and but you you've gone and you've given to people you've given to the widows who barely have two mites mm. who might have one mite <laughs> to give back and uh, I'm, I'm thankful for um, I'm just I'm thankful that it's it's a constant uh, movement outward from you and not a grab back well and it's a picture of what Christ has done for us because again I'm just, I've known you for so long, and we've worked together for about 11 years, you know, doing mission things together, and and I'm I'm blown away every time I, I recall that you are in the high cast, you are at the top, and that you are choosing to pursue the people who could never get to you, who could never get to that status, and, and that you are willing to go to the the lowest caste and give of yourself and and pour out yourself so that they could understand who Jesus is and his love for them. One of the fascinating things about uh, the Hindu religion is all the chanting is done in in a language called Sanskrit, which is like 4,000 years old. And nobody understands what the priest says. And the priest always comes from the city. Mm. He's a Brahmin. He goes back. Brahmins don't come and mix with the downcast, outcast, yeah. mm. untouchable people, yeah. normally. Yeah. So, and uh, the way we start is, you know, we gather under a tree, the pastor. He's mostly from the same locality. And he's he, he usually has been to a prison and been a thug and things like that. And 
there is a big conversion story in his personal life so the people know his past yeah people know how he has changed mm. so his witness matters a lot mm. when we worship start start worshiping under a tree yeah. then we build a bamboo thing for 6 months see if 20 families come together for 6 months and then we build a church we don't build a church and ask people to just come that's the growth pattern yeah you start with people first people yes people because people yeah. are the church yeah, not the building yeah we tell them you are the church yeah and you focused um largely on the children that that's and and that's when we have gone and, and partnered with you during your vacation bible schools and i would love for you to tell us a little bit about what those vbss look like but you bring in the children as a way to reach the parents and when the parents say you know look there there are these religions that offer these many many gods in the villages and yet only one of them is is feeding and taking care and educating and that's the the god that you serve um how how have you seen that impact what do the vacation bible schools look like tell us about that mission for a little bit see the the parents always say you know we have pictures of 10 gods in our heart and uh, we have plan a plan b plan c mm-hmm. if one doesn't work we go to the other and plan c yeah. and the, the common question they ask is how can we believe only one god mm-hmm. yeah what happens if he doesn't answer mm-hmm. so we don't tell them about uh, you know prosperity gospel he'll yeah. give you this he will give you yeah. that mm-hmm. so we tell them the truth you know it's very difficult to say when you become a christian you'll have more persecution Mm. he's beginning to think i am already in persecution with the existential problem why should i have more problem yeah. but the thing that lasts forever do you have happiness do you have joy do you have peace of mind when you drink when you wake up the next morning so we go from there and ask them when you die today god says i gave you good eyes good hands good legs what did you do for me i made the sun come up moon there and eyes to see and breathe and normally with covid you know we pay for oxygen in the hospital but god has been giving us free air for 40 50 years 100 years so the blessings yeah. that we don't count for yeah. sure yeah. you mentioned uh, real quickly you you mentioned persecution um i i know um that sharing pers- you know like names and places and all that kind of stuff is is not something that we can do but w- what and i know you shared before of a story of even a pastor who lost his life because he dared to pray to christ when he was told not to um i i know more um more more frequently and this is something that we can't really in our american free brains uh understand very much i know you have seen people multiple many times who have uh, an adult who's been converted in their family and then has to basically has to choose between Jesus or their family because their family it will excommunicate them if they were to convert to Christianity how do you how, how do you work in those situations how do you overcome that um what what personal stories have you seen there i my witness to two two of our churches made of bamboo and leaves mm. they got they burnt it yeah because of pastors own cousins who were not christians yeah and they said we were, we are going to burn it and we they did but ultimately we built a structure because the people wanted the church back yeah. they didn't want this uh, reprisal to go on so it was so, brick and steel where it was yes, yeah. yes 
so we built now we are building churches with our, which can't be um, which won't be a fire yeah. you can't burn them uh, what was the next question the question is, is so people who are con- people who are converted to christianity who have to who know if they come to jesus they have to their family will disown them how do you minister in those situations um, or how do you how do your pastors minister in those situations obviously it's a tight rope we have to walk because yeah. Usually it's the wife who wants peace of mind, joy and happiness, who sees the light, they come to church. And many of our women, when they go home, they get beaten up by the husbands who are not converted, who who don't know the real God. So we tell them to show love instead of hate, like before, you know, love their husbands. One instance which it, which really worked is, you know, Rajashree in uh, Pundandula. Yeah. She was 13 or 14. She came to our mission center to study because we had electricity and light. And uh, she became, she saw what was the singing and the worship and everything. And she wanted to continue coming here. And she became a Christian and she wanted to get baptized. Her mother was a magician and she said, if you, be, if you get baptized, we are going to hold your hands and legs and give you rat poison, kill you. But she came and the Nyanam said, Pastor Nyanam, just wait, keep coming to church. And the father saw the behavior of the girl and he thought it's amazing. Earlier they used to get into arguments and fight back and forth. But now she's very calm. She's reading some book. She's singing and smiling all the time. Even if I go to the extent of picking up a physical fight, she's not uh, retorting, you know. So he wanted to come and speak to the pastor. What did he do to my daughter? She came on Sunday morning. He came on Sunday morning. Started coming again. Then he invited the mother. She didn't want to give up a lucrative magic, you know, soothsayer business. She started coming to church. The brothers started coming to church. All four got baptized because of the witness of one girl. So things like this happen in many families. That's how people come into the kingdom and get baptized. And what's amazing is that um, all of this sounds... You know, to Americans, we're like, oh, that's a great story. That's a, you know, and and we, when we've gone over there, one of the things that has impressed me so much about um, about the work that you're doing is that, and particularly when we go to the North River Mission Center, which is one of the greatest places on the planet. Um, it it is a uh, the best way I can describe it, and I'm not. I know it's going to sound cliche, and it just it's a light in the darkness that when you come around the corner and and there's just this village. And you can, I remember one of the times we were there, one of the first nights we stayed in your mission center, um, we, we could hear the drums of the nearby town that were beating and it was for a a festival to just honor these different gods. Um, you can hear the drums of these pagan worshipers going all night long. And then your church, your, the, the, the Christians in the mission centers are coming and spending all night praying on behalf of those people and pushing back the darkness. 
How have you seen that in what, what what kind of challenges have you seen in the villages, particularly with the worship of other gods? In the village where I live, where you've been, yeah. we for fifty houses we have five temples, five different gods, <clears throat> and they do fire walking. Mm. They sacrifice goats on a particular month, and uh, every moonless night, like every fifteen days, uh, we have a ten p.m. to one a.m. Midnight service, worship service, because everyone b- believes that uh, it's called Amavasai. That means uh, dark, moonless night. All the demons come out. It's true. Sometimes when I'm, I skip that and I sleep, in the, because I take a lot of medicines, diabetic medicines, I can hear demons screaming and the pastor praying and mm-hmm. next morning, you know, she's delivered of the demons. And yeah. these are stories that you hear from the Old New Testament yeah. times. Yeah. Still happening in India. So, and uh, what you said is true. You know, yeah. the temples and the it, onslaught of demonic activity. And yet what's amazing is that even in the midst of that darkness, in the midst of poverty and, and lack of, you said, scarcity of water and electricity, the level of faith and joy, um, what the Christians in these villages are experiencing, I've never experienced it in America in terms of just the the sheer love of Jesus and the pouring out. And, and Tim, you talked about it in your message yesterday. I'd love for you to jump kind of back in on this, is the relationship between our affluence and our faith. And that so often as Americans, what, what amazed me coming back on my after my first trip, I, I had I really struggled in 2010 coming back and sitting in worship and going, look at all that we have. Why does everybody look so bored in the presence of Jesus? Like why where is the joy? And and it was it was a such a struggle because I was like, do you not know what we have here? And and yet the the believers, the Christians in these Indian villages that you have that you have ministered to and that you've been a godfather to, um, they understand the joy, even in the midst of having so little. Um, I don't understand. I yeah. mean, I understand it, but it's just it is it is jarring and it it means so much. I agree with that, and, and obviously this is my home, and so when I go to India, I visit and I experienced a, a very impoverished people and culture there, and then I come back. Um, and so it, it makes a, a huge impression on me every single time. I'm always changed. I'm, how do you, how do you do it? Because you're back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You are you're 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 living in a village that you know. Sometimes you don't have electricity out there because electricity just goes out. Then you come back here where it's where there's so much affluence. How do you how how do you? What I'm asking you is how do you're in your soul? How do you deal with that? Because I have a hard time with it. Yeah. So when I board the plane in Dallas Airport. I switch off the pleasures of America completely in my brain mm. and uh, be satisfied with what God has blessed me with in the Indian village. Yeah. Satisfied Never with think of the bed I, five bedroom house I have in Charleston yeah. and the air conditioning always and yeah. the power always and the water, hot water. As yeah. I told you, I feel guilty sometimes. Yeah. Th- when I think of India from America, yeah. I feel guilty. Yeah. When I go to India, I I don't brag about America yeah. to my people. It's no use, you know. 
Well, that, and I think that's the beauty of you being true to the gospel. You mentioned the prosperity gospel, and it's I, I believe it's a you know it's an evil in very many ways. Men and women who are saying, as you mentioned, the Hindu gods want to take from the people, but God wants to give. But what He wants to give, people are twisting that gospel, and so you could easily, like some people do, go into villages and say God will make you rich, but He wants to make you. He wants to give you peace. Is God's what blessing is not for you to build a dam. It's mm. for you to build a channel and be a channel of blessing to others. Mm. You have lived that so much, uh, Godfather. We have seen you pouring out yourself. Um, it is it is a privilege to get to just watch God work in your life and then to just sort of be someone who gets to sit on the sidelines and cheer you on. Um, you the, the work that God has you doing, the impact that you have made all around the world is uh, phenomenal. I, again, I'm sometimes I'm in awe that you would even sit down with us. Can I say a word about Sri Lanka? I'll allow it. We'll, uh, <laughs> we have wonderful partners in Sri yeah. Lanka, Elizabeth, Jerome, and Blossom. Yeah. They go to two slums in uh, the city of Colombo, infested with drugs and uh, prostitution and all that, all the evils. Yeah. Also, there many of the houses are 10 by 10 shacks, made with the cardboards, and the children are very happy to come to Elizabeth's home, which is a nerve center of a Sri Lankan ministry. Yeah. And uh, we, uh, the orphans get uh, you know, groceries and things like that. And Elizabeth also makes uh, local contacts and gives them you know, necessary school supplies and biscuits, and along with Aunt Blossom, they do all that. And, yeah. uh, we have six more locations in uh, upcountry, tea plantation and rubber and coffee plantations. Yeah. Very demanding conditions. Yeah. Small houses, the workers pluck tea and all. So we have six locations. We have about uh, 300 kids in our CDC program in Sri Lanka. I'm too blessed to be there. I used to go every three months before yeah. COVID. Yeah. So I look forward to going there again. Godfather, I got one more question for you because we want to honor your time and um, what has God taught you? What has he shown you throughout all of this? If God says, I'm, you've had enough blessing till today, I'm not going to bless you, bless others, I'm fine with that. I don't want any more blessing for me. Mm. And uh, I'm too blessed, too, too blessed in my life. My four-year-old girl who came to America and slept under the table is a neurologist now, not because of my abilities, because purely because of the grace of God. I want all my blessing to continue to my family and hope that she'll become a missionary soon and carry on the work. And So I am too blessed. We appreciate the partnership. We know that it was an easily a move of God that He brought you into our church family so yeah. long ago, and we've been able to partner with you. Uh, if by chance you're listening to this and you you don't you don't know our local church, you don't know David, and if you want to be a part of what he is doing, please email us and we can let you know how you could sponsor a church. You can build a church. Uh, you can sponsor a pastor. You can sponsor a child. We have a. 
you know, uh, not like World Vision or Compassion because th- they're huge, but we have a child sponsorship ministry that sponsors uh, like 150 different children. And uh, we could take you to India and you can meet your child. Um, so many different things. By the way, I mean, there may be some deep pockets listening. Who knows, David? It, it, to build a church, you're 40 by 20. Is that what you said? Out of cinder block and steel, what does it cost? $2 a square foot. So that is... Construction, labor, everything, all done. $2 a square foot. And most yeah. of your churches are, what, 800? 600, 800,000 square feet. 1,000 square foot church is $2,000. Okay. So if you're listening to this, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people listening to this probably have some... What do, what do we call that? Um, just money set aside. And if you yeah. want to do something, you want to build a church... Maybe the whole town of Council Bluffs could come together and sponsor a Build church. A church. Yeah, it sounds stimulus and a half. Yeah. yeah, Council Bluffs, a Council Bluffs church in India. I mean, that'd be amazing. And it, you know, and we'll, we'll show you. We'll send pictures of the construction. Yeah. Show you when it's done. You can come visit it. We'll you know put your name on a banner on the outside of it and dedicate it to the Lord. Yeah. Um, Goodchristianpod at gmail dot com. Yeah. We will get you connected and and. Uh, and we can't even, uh, it, it words escape me when it comes to the impact that going over there and seeing what uh, God is doing, um, you you will go thinking that you're going to give of yourself and you come back more full. Uh, it almost feels, um, uh, un- it just shouldn't be happening. Uh, uh, I want to thank you, Jeff, for coming to India five times, six times. Yeah. And Tim came three times. Three, yes, yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm grateful to God for Faith Baptist Church and, and its leadership and the people of Faith Baptist Church. God, God bless you. Godfather, God has blessed us through you and through knowing you. And, uh, and to watch your impact for the kingdom uh, is humbling, and we are so grateful for you. Um, continue to pray for Pastor David as he heads back. Uh, and he's got some amazing work still left to do. Um, probably about, a, a, I think, I talked to the Lord. He's had another 60, 70 years. Uh, so he's, he's got you. So and uh, You're, you're going to be approaching like uh, um, the Noah territory. You're just yeah. going to get up there. Yeah, and he's just, yeah, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> but Godfather, we love you. Thank you so much for gracing us too. for this time. It really, it really is so special. And listeners, thank you again. If you want to sponsor uh, or be a part of the work that David is doing in his churches and pastors and teams over in India and Sri Lanka. $2 a square foot. It's incredible. Goodchristianpod at gmail.com. We would love to help you make that connection. If you're not already doing it, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GCPPod. And next week, make sure you come back as we are going to begin our conversations, working through some hot button topics and figuring out what it means to have a kingdom mindset through all of it. We can't wait to see where God is going to lead us. And until then, be good. been listening to good christian people the podcast today's episode was recorded on monday april 19th 2021 by jeff higgins and tim byer two pastors living in beautiful Glen Burnie, maryland if you'd like to hear more of our content please check us out online at goodchristianpod.com or by following us on twitter at gcppod